Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this week's episode about the book 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Keep listening to find out why time management is a lie and how to make the most of our brief time on earth. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark, and each week I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week is the fantastic book 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, a book that I read quite recently and readers of my bookmark newsletter will know all about because I talked about it just a few days ago. If you don't already subscribe to the bookmark, I recommend you do. You'll get in your inbox every fortnight a little excerpt from me about the books I've been reading, the things I've been listening to, and just the stuff I can't fit into these podcast episodes. You can subscribe using the handy link right at the top of the show notes. Now, I have to admit this is the second time I've recorded this episode because I have a new microphone. Hopefully you notice how much better I sound. And I'm not actually under a blanket, which I used to have to do with my old microphone. However, as I have just found out, this microphone has an on and an off button. So the excellent episode, possibly even the best one ever yet, I recorded just now, didn't actually record. So very much like Tenacious D, this is just a tribute to the best podcast I've ever recorded which didn't actually get recorded. So there we go. This is this is where we are on a Sunday afternoon. And I am going to be due my hot chocolate after this. Luckily, after reading this book, I am, you know, much more chill about life and the things that happen in it and how to spend my time. All right, let's get into the book, 4,000 Weeks. By the way, if you are thinking this book sounds kind of familiar, if you saw Adam Grant's recent book releases that he shared for the autumn or the fall, if you're in the US, This is one of the books that was on his list, so you may have already seen or heard of it. So let's find out a little bit more about the book and the author. The average human lifespan is absurdly, outrageously, insultingly brief. If you live to 80, you have about 4,000 weeks on Earth. So how should we use them? Of course, nobody needs telling that there isn't enough time. We're obsessed by our lengthening to-do lists, overfilled inboxes, the struggle against distraction, and the sense that our attention spans are shriveling. Yet, we rarely make the conscious connection that these problems only trouble us in the first place thanks to the ultimate time management problem, the challenge of how best to use our 4,000 weeks. 4,000 weeks is an uplifting, engrossing and deeply realistic exploration of this problem. Rejecting the futile modern obsession with getting everything done, it introduces readers to tools for constructing a meaningful life, showing how the unhelpful ways we've come to think about time aren't inescapable, unchanging truths, but choices we've made as individuals and as a society, and that its many revelations will transform the reader's worldview. That was taken from the Penguin website, which is the publisher of this book. I'll pop a link to that in the show notes if you'd like to read more. Oliver Berkman is the author of The Antidote, Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking, that one sounds quite good, and Help, How to Become Slightly Happier and Get a Bit More Done. He wrote a long-running column for The Guardian, This Column Will Change Your Life, and has a devoted following for his writing on productivity, mortality, and the power of limits. That was taken from his website, oliverbeckman.com. Again, link to that in the show notes. All right, let's get into the three big ideas I took from the book 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Beckman. Big idea number one is, in the long run, we're all dead. This is actually the title to the introduction section of the book, but I thought it was so brilliant I had to borrow it for this big idea too. Because ultimately, there's no escaping it. In the long run, we're all dead. But we try to, constantly. From measuring everything, hacking our time, choosing convenient options, and practicing every time management trick in the book, we're constantly trying to control the uncontrollable. Yet, despite all this, 
what are we really doing with all this time we've hacked and saved from all over the place? These little slithers of things that we've used the dishwasher rather than doing the washing up and we've ordered a takeaway or we're using a meal box or we've smoothied all of our different meals so we don't have to waste time eating or chewing. We're still being churned in the machine. We're burnt out, stressed and with a to-do list that will never get done. We're living for an imaginary time in the future, which isn't guaranteed, where we'll magically have time for all of the things we don't now, despite how important and how much we say that we want these things that we never get round to. We're also attaching our self-worth to how we spend our time, which is a bit of a fool's errand. The system is rigged. We are not machines. Time management is a lie. No list of 10 things to do before 7am will fix the systemic issues of spending our time on the wrong things because our idea of being fully optimised and living our best lives and spending our time in the best way possible is impossible. But this is excellent news because by admitting it, we can then let go and we can take the first steps to spending our time actually in a better way. So that was big idea number one. In the long run, we're all dead. Big idea number two is finitude and FOMO. So as you may have gathered from big idea number one, it's clear we need to embrace our insultingly short time on earth and stop trying to do the impossible, which is everything and controlling our time. But what do we need to do next? Firstly, we need to ditch FOMO. We need to accept that almost everything that happens in the world, we will miss out on. <laughs> FOMO is something I've definitely struggled with previously. But then reading this, I thought, oh yeah, like pretty much everything, like 99.9999% of things that happen in the world, I will not experience. And that's okay. What we need to do after that then is think about procrastinating better, which means saying no to things that we actually do want to do in order to be able to spend better time on the things that we really do want to do. This also means starting projects, even if they, they won't be good enough, because they won't be. But we often stop doing things that are important because we get wrapped up in this idea of it going wrong or failure or all of these other things. But ultimately, we only have one chance to do them. So we need to use that time now to do that. I like the idea in the book of paying yourself first. So these things that we say we really want to do and we want to happen, we need to do those first. And this isn't a get up at 4am and do them between 4am and 6am or anything like that. Though obviously if that works for you, then, then great. But we actually need to make the time in our days, our months and accept the consequences. So it might be that actually we need to reduce our client workload or we need to take some time off of work and reduce our hours or something in order to do the things that we say we really want to do and that are important. And there was an example in the book of an illustrator who did just this. She wanted to build her illustration business, but that wasn't really happening because she wasn't really making the time and doing anything towards that. So by making an effort to spend two hours a day illustrating and working on her illustration practice, she was then able to build her business because she accepted the consequences of doing that. The difficult conversations, the saying no to stuff that she wasn't able to do because she had made this particular dedicated effort towards her, her illustration. This will be helped if you limit your work in progress. So Oliver only uses, he says he is only allowed three tasks in progress or three projects in progress. He has a one in one out policy and you have to make sure that those three things are the most important things. So no middling things of, oh yeah, I might quite like to do this. It has to be the stuff that is absolutely critical. Now, it's not to say that those three things have to be the same things forever. And it may be that you know, some of them come to a natural conclusion and then another project or piece of work or, or a task can come in or that some of them just run their course and you just think, oh, no, this isn't something I want to prioritize anymore. And you switch one in for one out. He likens this a little bit to the adage of the rocks and the bucket, which you may be familiar with. 
He says the problem with that particular anecdote is that the teacher or the smug teacher, as he calls them, walks in with only enough big rocks to fit in the bucket in the first place. Whereas in our lives, we are overwhelmed by the opportunities and the possibilities of all the big rocks. There's a whole beach full of big rocks. So the, t- the skill instead is not fitting them in the bucket, but choosing which big rocks to put in there in the first place. And he says that we should do some things just to feel good. Not everything has to be a means to an end. And I particularly enjoyed this because this year I've been taking up more hobbies just for the sake of having hobbies, not necessarily to make some kind of side hustle or project or commercial thing out of, which I've been a little bit guilty of over the last few years. So that was big idea number two, finitude and FOMO. Big idea number three is five questions and 10 anecdotes. Towards the end of the book, Oliver puts forward five questions and 10 ways of thinking about time differently or 10 tools for embracing our finitude. Those five questions are, where in your life or your work are you currently pursuing comfort when what's called for is a little discomfort? Question two is, are you holding yourself to and judging yourself by standards of productivity or performance that are impossible to meet? Question three is, in what ways have you yet to accept the fact that you are who you are, not the person you think you ought to be? That was a good one. Question four is, which areas of your life are you still holding back until you feel like you know what you're doing? And finally, question five, how would you spend your days differently if you didn't care so much about seeing your actions reach fruition? I really liked that particular question. So that was the five questions. I'm going to put all of these in the show notes as well. So if you missed any of those and you don't feel like you need to scroll back, obviously you can scroll back and listen to them, but you can also go to the show notes and they'll be in there, along with these 10 tools for embracing your finitude. Number one, adopt a fixed volume approach to productivity. Put more limits on the time available to do things. Number two, serialize, 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 which is this point of focusing on maybe one big project at a time or maybe one work project and one non-work project and seeing it through. Number three, decide in advance what to fail at, minus housework. Number four, focus on what you've already completed, not just on what's left to complete. So that might involve making a done list at the end of the day, not just a to-do list. Number five, consolidate your caring. Number six, embrace boring and single-purpose technology. Number seven, seek out novelty in the mundane. Number eight, be a researcher in relationships. Nine is cultivate instantaneous generosity. So not putting off things like sending someone a thank you email, telling them good job, do it immediately. If it's going to, if it's an act on that impulse right away. And finally, number 10, very important, practice doing nothing. So that's big idea number three, five questions, 10 antidotes. So there we go, three big ideas from the book 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. I loved this book. I highly recommend you read it. I kind of feel bad that I've summarised it into three big ideas because I just don't think you can do it justice by summarising it. There's so much more to, to enjoy, to think about from this particular book. So I highly recommend you go and read or listen to it yourself as well. I definitely took a lot away and it's one I'm going to revisit. But in case you missed them, the three big ideas were number one, in the long run, we're all dead. Number two, finitude and FOMO. And number three, five questions, 10 antidotes. If you have read this book, if you loved it, if you took some really great ideas away, if it changed your life, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you thought. You can contact me using LinkedIn or Instagram. They're the best places to find me. And the contact details are in the show notes right down the bottom. But it's something a little bit different. I'm going to leave you with a little quote from the book or a little excerpt from the book, which I will read for you right now to go away and think about. The average human lifespan is absurdly, terrifyingly, insultingly short. But that isn't a reason for unremitting despair or for living in an anxiety-fueled panic about making the most of your limited time. It's a cause for relief. You get to give up on something that was always impossible. 
the quest to become the most optimised, infinitely capable, emotionally invincible, fully independent person you're officially supposed to be. Then you get to roll up your sleeves and start work on what's gloriously possible instead. Until next time, happy reading.